0: The, the Lone box, box Crusade, crusade presents, 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 presents fan Bill Fridays. Fridays. Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, Clinton Robison. Well, listeners, it's getting to be that time of year again. No, I'm not talking about taxes or Pat trying to collect rent from me. (laughs) Oh, fat chance on that one. No, no, no. It's December. So that means we're coming up on Crusademus. So, you know, with Crusademus approaching, you know the LBC gets lots of visitors coming and going and one seems to have forgotten that the festivities usually happen upstairs. But that's okay with me because I'm always happy to get visits from the one and only Al Sedano. Al, welcome to the basement.
1: This is not the bathroom?
0: Um technically, um I think Cause... I think Laurel said I'm legally allowed
1: to say no. Yeah, I had too much eggnog upstairs up and there was a line for the other one. I thought this was
0: the one people didn't know about. Damn it. Uh, Rick's clogging things up again. Probably.
1: Yeah, I just blame Rick for everything. Sounds good to me.
0: That's my policy. Works for me. I mean, you know, it kind of gets you stuck in a basement, but... Mm.
1: Uh, or so... giveth or takeeth away. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, since it's that time of year when all the holidays start sinking up, I figure it's only fitting we talk about the guy that makes all the children all over the world happy. You know who I'm talking about. He rides through the sky on a pimped-out ride. He'll make sure to eat all those snacks you left out for him. That's right. I mean, the main man, Lobo. Woohoo. So, Al, can you tell the listeners a little bit of background on Lobo? Sure. All right. So, in case you didn't know, Lobo
1: is a DC Comics character. And I think it's best put here in this paragraph from uh, Wikipedia, his Wikipedia page. Lobo is a Zarnian with exceptional strength and fortitude. He enjoys nothing better than mindless violence and intoxication, and killing is an end in itself. His name roughly translates as, he who devours your entrails and thoroughly enjoys it. But, in case you didn't know anything about Lobo, that pretty much should give you an accurate picture of him. <laughs> right there.
0: So basically, Weasel Skull, when he's um, had a little too much Mary Jane. Exactly.
1: Or even a little bit of that is too much Mary Jane for him. <laughs> But yeah, Lobo generally looks like a uh, white, uh, pale, you know, chalk white skin biker. Like the prototypical idea of uh, when you think of like a Hell's Angel type biker. That's what Lobo looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so he showed up first in what was it? A, a Mega Men number three back in the mid 80s. He actually was a different race back then. He had a different origin and everything. But they retconned that shortly afterwards and he had a few random appearances. And then really started appearing in the LEGION Legion series that came out after Invasion, as a member of that group, and he appeared there for a while and ended up having his own a couple miniseries that were popular enough that he got his own ongoing series around the time of what, zero around mid 90s and would stick around DC for a while and then in the new 50, uh, in, oh sorry, before this, that's right, before the new 52. In fact, there was a version of Lobo that in two, let's say around 2000 during the Young Justice series, he was turned into a teenager by accident. I think it was by Clary and the Witch Boy, and uh, he had he had the ability to every drop of his blood that came out would grow a new Lobo, and at one point that was taken away from him. But by him being de-aged, he gained it again. And so basically, every time this was during the what Our Worlds at War series. So every time the troops of Apocalypse shot him and killed him, like a whole bunch of them would grow up and eventually you know, grow out of that. And eventually, they killed all the Apocalypse soldiers, and then they went and started killing each other. And one of them left and became the actual Lobo, and the other one, another one, hid and actually became a member of Young Justice called Slobo. (laughs) It's because he called himself, he said, it's Lobo. Said fast. By the way, if anyone's wondering, so does that mean there's two Lobos running around? No, because that one, it was a close. That clone eventually began to degrade, became blind, and almost died. But before he died, Darkseid hit him with the Omega Beams, and it teleported him and turned him into a statue and teleported him to the headquarters of Young Justice One Million. So it all ties in there. And then later on the New 52, they retconned Lobo and changed him to a much more sleeker, sophisticated, with a different origin. And then at some point after, uh, what's it called, Rebirth, they kind of just went back to the original Lobo and said, eh, screw that.
0: So well, That pretty much brings us up more or less to modern times. Yeah. Lobo's had a few appearances outside of the comics.
1: Yes, he has. He appeared in, a couple animated, uh, appeared in a couple of episodes of the Superman the Animated Series from the mid-90s. And what else was there? Oh, there, that's right. There was a web uh, animated web series called Lobo, released in 2000. It was a more of an adult-oriented series. Appeared, of course, in a couple episodes of uh, Justice League. Um, he was in. He's been in the New Young Justice series. He was actually in some of the Justice League action series, voiced by uh, Bender himself, John DiMaggio. Wow! And he actually had some live-action stuff um, in the Krypton TV series from a few years ago. And, of course, in what we're about to talk
0: about tonight. That's right, folks, because Al has brought something to my attention. There is a fan film from way back in 2002 called the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special, based on the book of the same name. Yes. <laughs>
1: it's a little different, but it's actually not a bad adaptation of the story.
0: Well, as I said, it was originally produced back in 2002. You know, that that's... That's a long time ago now, folks. With Don't a budget of $2,400. Yeah, $2,400 in 2002 money. So that's still not that much more now. Granted, you know, the budget was 2400 There were several people who did uh, volunteer time and equipment.
1: That's true, yeah. It but says that, it was part of the American Film Institute's Director's Studies Program. Yeah. Whatever
0: that means. But yeah, th- this is one definitely going to be one of the older fan films we've discussed on the show. Uh, the version I looked at on YouTube was posted in 2011. Um, yeah, that's probably uh, the one I watched. It said 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. By uh, Free Movie Cinema. It has views or, um, around 101,600 views, something like that. Uh, the user Fanboy Theater posted it up back in 2005, and that version has 545,000. And considering YouTube's only been around since 2005, folks, I know it feels like we've probably had YouTube forever, but...
1: You we haven't? Huh. Uh, well, I'm sure some people. I'm young. I don't know anything about YouTube. Hello, fellow young persons.
0: <laughs> Hello, fellow childrens. How about that popular music? Exactly. So, as we said, this was based on the DC Comics book, done by Keith Giffen, Alan Grant, and Simon Bisley. The film was directed by Scott Lebrecht. It stars Andrew... Oh, good lord. Why do fan films always do this to me? They know I can't say names. Andrew Bryniarski. Sure. As Lobo. Tom Gibbous. Yeah. As the Easter Bunny. Michael V. Allen, I can say that one, as Santa, and Michael Goodrow as Cecil. As we said, the original budget for this film was $2,400, but once people learned about Project, other film pros and uh, not-so-pros from both sides of the camera helped out by donating time and money, and equipment, and skills, and, and, and you get the idea. So, we ask that you pause here and go enjoy the film, then come back and hear Al and I discuss this gem of a holiday special. It'll be the perfect warm-up for Crusademus, folks. I know you'll enjoy it. Not only will we be spoiling the entire plot, but it's just more fun when everybody is on the same page when we are discussing everything. Because once these discussions start flowing, they're probably not going to stop. Plus... At under 14 minutes, this isn't going to take up too much of your day. Oh, you got to love when a fan film is concise, right? Yep, nice and quick. Mm hmm. So pause here, follow the link in the show notes, and watch the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special. <laughs> Supper, Bugsy. Look, Lobo, no, I've got a job for you. Okay. Cutting down an unarmed, mythic symbol is the only way you know. Go ahead. Shoot. Okay. righty. We are back. I hope everybody watched that film because here we go. We open in a seedy bar that makes most Isley Cantina look like the Cabana. Lobo saunters through the bar in his usual fashion. Oh
1: no! I'm becoming your background music.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Usually, it's just Jared that does that. See, it's already. I knew you got into. Uh, Don't remind me. (laughs) Anyway, Lobo makes his way to the back to have a uh, meeting about a job. It seems the Easter Bunny is tired of being second best to Christmas and. Personally, I'm beginning to think second best is just ego talking, but anyway. First loser. (laughs) Yeah. Easter Bunny is kind of tired of it, so he hires the galactic bounty hunter Lobo, a.k.a. the main man, to take out Santa Claus in order for him to rule over the holidays. Um, Yeah. Later, at the North Pole, there is complete chaos. Lobo wastes no time plowing through Santa's elves, despite them being heavily armed. And we're talking, like, you know, that opening scene from Scrooge, North Pole Heavily Armed. Lee Majors isn't coming in to save him this time, folks. One last remaining and highly dismembered elf reports to Santa that the naughtiest one is here. At their big confrontation scene, Santa reveals to Lobo that he's managed to capture the Easter Bunny. So, of course, he knew all about them hiring Lobo to come for him. Not to mention, while held captive, the Easter Bunny has also been, well, neutered. Uh, Santa offers Lobo triple the money, but, you know, a job's a job. Santa counters with a present for Lobo. And, of course, you know, it's what he's always wanted. A snow globe filled with little dolphins. This, of course, mesmerizes Lobo. And, uh, Santa pulls a gun. But... Lobo fires off a single round while still watching the snow globe before killing Santa. The Easter Bunny, busts free, celebrates as the new king of holidays, and promptly gets shot in the head by Lobo, who says he always hated the (coughs) holidays. Dedicated to all the children of the world. Just
1: warms your heart.
0: So that is the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special. Al, I don't know about you, but my heart sure grew three sizes after watching that. Exactly. It just fills you with something. (laughs) I think
1: mine was, you know, cardiac arrest, but... I think mine's eggnog still. It's floating (laughs) up there now. (laughs) So, and this is probably something different for your fan films, is that this is a fan film that's not just using characters, but this is actually an adaptation of a specific story, right? I mean, correct me Uh... if I'm wrong, but most of them are probably just... You know, Batman meets aliens or, you know, Nightwing does something. But yeah. not like a specific, you know, I mean, this is specifically adapting a specific story.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, there are several out there that adapt stories. But, yeah, for the most part, we've pretty much just been uh, looking at stuff that people use the characters and kind of took their own road.
1: Yeah, well, now, I so apparently because AFI Films, American Film Institute, are considered educational exercises. The director was able to do that without having copyright issues, <laughs> because this is an actual group, you know, institute. This is not just a bunch of people get putting their own money together, where maybe they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that DC could probably have sued if it wasn't for that. So I just thought that was a little minor, interesting thing. <laughs> this counts as educational. Who do? We're learning stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I learned the second time through that the Easter Bunny had gotten neutered and. They made sure to actually visibly have blood on the crotch of the costume. Yeah, which was unzipped. Yeah, which is like, holy crap! I wasn't sure I needed to see that.
1: Yeah. Now, some of the quality wasn't the, you know, of the film. Had I was not sure whether it's because of how cheap they used it or how long it's been, wasn't the greatest. At least when I watched it, some of the stuff was a little vague to make out. Like I had to really look at the snow globe to see that it was the dolphins in there. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that did work for them in the bar scene in the beginning, because it kind of made it hard to make out everyone else but in the background, but that kind of worked for them because that meant whatever, however bad their, effect, their makeup effects were didn't matter for all the background people.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and it's not like it's absolutely terrible quality. It just really feels like you're going back to something you recorded off of TV on a VHS, but you haven't looked at it in 15, 20 years.
1: Yeah, it's watchable, but not compared to you know, watching the DVD or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good comparison right there. It's like you had some... It's like you had recorded Star Wars off of TV, but then when the D- DVDs came out, you just stopped watching it, and then, for nostalgia's sake, you went back and watched your VHS.
1: Well, it's like a lot of the issues they have with some movies, older movies now, that they're, like, remastering them and put them on these DVD, and they're widescreen, and it's all perfectly fixed, and now of a sudden you could see little flaws or mistakes in the background that would not have been noticed... Mm-hmm. because of the quality they had before but now because of this it's like oh we could see that we we can see the shoe members of the guy standing you know standing there holding the lights you know with the shadow or the whole thing about team wolf with the person doing something bad in the <laughs> background
0: unfortunately that was there the whole time Yeah but I don't think that was very easily seen No because of the video quality
1: Exactly yeah. but once you remaster and put it on DVD it's a little I was like oh hey look at that <laughs> <sighs> Oh so in this instance again, it works for them. Teen Wolf,
0: another cheaply done film,
1: with a comic tie-in.
0: Because <laughs> we know who wrote that, or do we? I do not. Here's a
1: here here's a little hint. It is also it's the same person that wrote Predator and also wrote Batman: The Long Halloween and Superman for All Seasons. You are kidding me. Nope. That's nuts. Why did I not know these things? Well, wait, maybe he didn't. Sorry, no, he didn't write Predator. He wrote Commando. That's it.
0: Okay, that makes more sense. For anyone else who's listening doesn't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jeff Loeb. Okay, I was like, that makes way more sense, Commando. I was like, Predator. I kept rolling it in my head, Predator. Really, Predator?
1: Wrong, Schwarzenegger movie from the mid '80s. <laughs> sorry, where he runs around in a jungle and kills a bunch of pe- kills people.
0: To be fair, I think I don't know how it got the mix.
1: Yeah, I think he wore
0: pretty much the same outfit. I think so too. Oh well. So yeah, even he with, po- with Predator, he thought it was he thought it was a lesser Malano first. Yeah. Mm. Even with the uh, somewhat poor-ish video quality, uh, it's still worth watching, folks. Because holy cow, the makeup and effects—he's a good Lobo. Yeah, the the makeup is really well done. Like everything's blended really well on Lobo, and they didn't do the made-for-TV cop-out where they like you know would have only had him in makeup from the neck up and just you know giving him long sleeves or something. They are doing straight from the comics. Wears just a vest and pants, Lobo.
1: Yeah, and the vest, if you notice on the back, had the kind catchphrase he had back in the '90s: "Bite me, fanboy." Mm-hmm. And also, what the plus is, it was a fairly decent adaptation. I mean, they did cut a bunch of stuff out of the story, obviously, for time
0: and money. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a 14-minute little little thing.
1: And the issue is at least fifty, ish, you know, pages. So that's mm-hmm. a lot more. So there's no Lobo flying around with the naughty list or the nice list. Actually, dropping bombs on all those houses at the end. And they don't. Him and Santa don't have a knife fight, which I kind of was hoping for. And there's no gorilla, <laughs> or penguins, or killer mm-hmm. penguins, or Lobo's bulldog. Well, they could put the bulldog in, I guess. Mm-hmm. That would be a little easier, maybe, than the penguins or the gorilla.
0: <laughs> well, even the Easter Bunny's costume is pretty good, though. Yeah. Like could, they could have cheaped out and just had somebody in one of those, like, Party City bunny costumes. <laughs> and no, I'm not talking a Playboy bunny costume, although they had those. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, this this guy has actual prosthetics, like like the whiskers and the nose and stuff. All yeah, Makeup's no. all blended in. It, it's a real pro job.
1: No, they did their best with what they could do with what they had, and yeah. I'm impressed with that. They put effort into that. Like I said, it was a decent adaptation. It's the basic story: Easter Bunny hybrids Lobo to kill Santa, and oh, he does. <laughs> and like in the book, though, though we don't get to see Santa, you know, knife fight him. But I like that the nicknames, you know, a k, you know, Santa Claus, a k a Father Christmas, Killer Chris. Oh,
0: uh, so I mean, most of the the gags and everything in this, it's a bunch of one liners and visual gags. So it's it's really hard to relate in the synopsis, but. This is actually a funny, funny sh- story.
1: Yeah, this is fun, worth watching, and very easy to find.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it, it's definitely on YouTube. There's There are even versions from back when uh, YouTube had, like, the the five-minute limit or something like that.
1: Oh, that's why they had one that said Lobo
0: Part 1. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, back in the early days of YouTube, when it was like, oh, we don't have enough space. You know, everything has to be, you know, people don't have the the internet speeds to really load a video longer than, you know, five, six minutes, ten minutes, whatever.
1: Now, by the way, just so in case people might have slightly, some people, horror fans, might have slightly recognized the name of the guy playing Lobo. He apparently, in the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out back in like the early 2000s, he played Leatherface.
0: Yeah, that is his big claim to fame. Uh, he basically uh, got started... With um being <laughs> being able to fill roles that required a six foot five muscular guy. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of henchman roles, a few villain of the week roles for him back in the day, including one on Lois and Clark. Yep, and Firefly,
1: mm-hmm. and apparently he is a minor. I don't know. Uh, wait, is he playing where I think he's playing?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he played uh, Batman Returns. He plays. Uh, yeah, he Mac, plays Chris Chick Trigg.
0: Yeah, he. Play- he plays uh, Longbox Crusade tenant Christopher Walken's son in Batman Returns.
1: He's also in Hudson Hawk.
0: He's also in Street Fighter. He plays yep. Zonggif. Yeah, there's like three people out there going, "Yay!" And that's not he- just the listeners. That's like three people in the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just saying it anyway. Yay! I don't why are you saying that. I don't know. hmm But yeah, so I how do you know he has another DC Comics connection?
0: Yep. Three of them actually: Superman, Batman, and Lobo. Yeah, I mean, this guy's kind of making the rounds. You just don't know him. You know, he's he has, like, all of two lines in Batman Returns, though, and they must have done some kind of camera work, because I don't remember him looking, you know, 6'5 and beefy compared to Christopher Walken. Yeah, me either. I mean, granted, you know, like, he's wearing a coat pretty much every time you see him, but... But man. still... I gotta go back and watch Batman Returns just to really look at that.
1: Yeah, I don't even. Remember, I mean, I watched. I don't remember Chip too well. I just watched it last uh, Christmas, but so I don't if, remember Chip too well. But it's not like he did much.
0: Yeah, but yeah, basically, you know, he volunteers to get taken by the Penguin, and yeah. Well, as for the rest of the cast, um, I didn't check on our pal Cecil, but uh, Michael V. Allen, who played Santa, has only done a small handful of other things outside of this film. The most notable being a James Woods movie from 1988 simply titled Cop. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of it either. However, Tom Gibbous, Gibbs, Gibbs, uh, Gibbous. however you say his name. Yeah, the, sure. The guy who that played guy. the Easter Bunny. Tom. Yeah. That's how I say it. He's, uh, he's, he's known more for voice acting, actually. Uh, he played Toy Man and Paul Kent in JLA Adventures in Time, so... There's another DC connection. But he might be most recognized for voicing Shikamaru in the English dubs of the Naruto franchise.
1: I mean, not to me, but I do recognize the name Naruto, at least. And he's in a lot of Naruto stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of episodes of that out there, folks. But spanning, like, working. three different series.
1: He's working, damn it.
0: Yeah, but now I'm beginning to think I really want, like, Action Film Faceoff to pick Cop.
1: Wait, I'm going through his IMDb, and it's mostly... Animated, but then there's like there's an episode of Touch by an Angel, <laughs> and Beverly Hills 90210 where he play he's a Peach Pit After Dark customer.
0: Oh boy, <laughs> the Peach Pit,
1: Peach Pit After
0: Dark. <laughs> so, I you know while we're on Tom the Easter Bunny guy, uh, what did you think of his voice as the Easter Bunny? I was amused by it. It was
1: nice and weaselly for the type of character he was playing. Did it come across as kind of Gilbert Gottfried? <sighs> I didn't get Gilbert Godfrey, but I mean, Gilbert Godfrey can do Weasley.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I get the, I kind of get the feeling like if they had had, you know, 24,000 instead of 2,400, that's kind of the direction they might have gone, but... That's possible. Yeah, but I don't know. I think it worked for what it...
1: Oh, no, it was perfect for the char- type of character he was playing as Easter Bunny. This little whiny, he's doing better than us, so let's kill him,
0: and mm-hmm. now I'm going to dance around the body. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we probably should have pointed this out, like you know, twenty minutes ago. But this is probably not the one you're gonna want to watch with your smaller children, folks. Yeah.
1: Be- now, if your preteens or early teens are refused don't want to watch the holiday specials with you anymore, this is one you might be able to get them to watch.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they've suddenly decided for whatever dumb reason that they're too old for Emmett Otter, then first of all, punish them because they are obviously wrong. And then, once they're done being punished, let them watch this. But, I mean, it's like, seriously, this is. It, it's not going to have your family friendly language. It's not going to be. It, it's not going to be on the Hallmark, Hallmark channel this year, folks. What? It's not? Was it last year? Uh, maybe not. Well, one of these years it might be.
1: I don't know, but they want well, I mean, they might want like Emmett Otter. Or just for the. What was the other band's name?
0: Slither or whatever? <laughs> hey, my kids like Emmett Otter, but. You know. I like him at honor. But, you know, some kids have that rebellious phase where they're too old for these.
1: I'm too cool for these.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, they'll watch a little bit with you, probably. Now, convincing them to watch the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special might be something entirely different. In which case, Ooh. they're also, again, wrong, and you should punish them. Because that's one of the greatest things ever created, folks. <laughs> Shush! <laughs> oh, but yeah, going back to Lobo, this is this is a wonderful, wonderful film. The makeup's great. The acting is very well done. You know, the acting by a guy known for playing Leatherface is actually really well done.
1: Oh, I mean, it's fair concerning he's playing, but yeah, it works.
0: Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean i I've pretty much said my piece on it. It's a great film. Everybody needs to check it out. Al, do you have anything else to add?
1: No, I think that's all. We I think we've said everything we can about this 14-minute movie that we've probably gone double the length of.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, well, once again, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, before you go, Al, tell the listeners where else they can find you online.
1: Well, sure. Well, considering what we're talking about with Lobo, let's tell them that they can find me every week on the LEGION cast. Which is all about the late 80s, early 90s DC comic sci-fi series Legion. Not Legion of Superheroes, the one with the acronym. In which Lobo is the main character of. And you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed.
0: Okay, and uh, if, just in case, you know, people are, you know, just lacking taste and don't want more Lobo. uh, What? Yeah, I know. I don't know why they would have made it this far in the episode, but... yeah. Yeah, even if they they just don't want any more Lobo, this is enough for them. Where else can they find?
1: You? Oh, also on the Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Uh, well, that's my show, so I'm not just on it; I am it. <laughs> All about the Marvel characters: Adam Warlock and Thanos. Just type in Adam Warlock or in, or Thanos in whatever podcaster you use, and it'll pop right up.
0: Okay, and uh, I see that.
1: Um, yes, you know, so
0: the, the fan film's not the only present you have with you there. there no, I got be... you. I got you a little something. I figured I'd run into you here. I mean, is it a a key? Can I get out? Uh,
1: You'll find out, because it's wrapped. You will find out, but you have to wait till I leave before you open it.
0: Oh, it's one of those kind of surprises. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Okay, well, (laughs) I'll I'll be good. I'll wait. Here you go. Thank you once again, Al. Of course.
1: All right, let me see if I can find the actual bathroom. Maybe the line's died down by
0: now. Goody, goody, goody. I wonder what's in here. I wonder what's in here. (sighs) Oh, yes. The season of giving. As I attempt to recover and hopefully don't have to, you know, call in medical support from upstairs. We'll take a break and be back with listener feedback. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him Adam. But return to me again empty-handed,
1: and I will bathe the Starways in your blood. Thanks, Dan. Sounds fair.
0: Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem.
1: Then, Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you were going to kill my father?
0: You dare to oppose me?
1: You see what he has turned me into? you kill him I will help you destroy a thousand planets it's all right Adam we're here to help
0: just stay cool I don't want to be here
1: Resurrections an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast five years and going strong every other week mostly for all of your Adam Warlock Thanos or Marvel cosmic needs Find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. ResurrectionsAdamWarlock.tumblr.com
0: Adam Warlock! You cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can! All right, I am back with the feedback portion of the show. Before I dive in, just a quick thanks to all the Crusaders Club members out there. Thank you so much for keeping this network going. So, last episode, I had John and Maggie on to look at Truly Outrageous, a gem fan film. That episode got likes, shares, favorites, retweets, all the fun stuff from Gene Hendricks, Chris Statos, Maggie Schaefer-Hames, and Helica Fetty-Wolf. Ow! Cullen Stapleton, Mark DeSimone, Jonathan Hames, Aaron Head Moss, Derek William Crabb, Laurel, she's probably filing paperwork for that explosion as we speak, Tim Price, Max Reed's Comics, Dr. G, Nerdologist, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, The Hammer Strikes, Prairie Justice, a Greg Saunders vigilante podcast. Ranger Gord, unpacking the power of Power Pack, because the Power Pack power don't stop. Kathy Bright, I hear she's an MVP, you know. Chris at BTO and Batbooks. Wayne Burrows and Dave Weasel. If I missed anybody or said anybody's name wrong, please do let me know. So on Twitter, we got some feedback. Jonathan Schaefer-Hames, who was going by Moon Cthulhu during October. Reminded me that uh, the Misfits songs are better. Jim Girl's podcast, which, for one, I was not aware of before this, but by golly, I am now. And for two, I really think you should check out if you like Jim. They chimed in to say, we have so, so many opinions. And I invited them to uh, DM me those opinions, and they did. And we'll get to them in just a minute, because I'm going to keep you waiting, folks. Kathy Bright said, Should I feel bad that I actually enjoyed the live-action Jim and the Holograms film? Uh no. No, Kathy, you really shouldn't. Because everybody's allowed to like what they like. So, as for the Jim Girls podcast, they wrote in and let me know a lot. They said, Hello, it's one half of the gym Girls here, following up on that message about the Jim fan film. But first, a note—only a gemologist would know. Raya was introduced in season two, not season three, along with Riot and the Stingers. That's right, Jim uh, Girls podcast. You schooled me on that one because I goofed. That's right, listeners. I'll admit when I was wrong. The Gem Girls podcast continues saying anyway. That out of the way, on to the Gem fan film, which we loved. In truth, when tagged in the tweet. I thought it was about the original live-action gem film. Discovering this gym pun, more than makes up for that piece of trash. The fan film is the perfect blend of nostalgia, homage, and satire. Unlike a lot of gym fans, we've met. The folks who made this movie poke fun at the franchise, but are still respectful of the source material. Honestly, you guys pointed out most of the features that make the fan film enjoyable already. All I'll say is that the cast slash writers slash directors did a really great job on minor character beats that never occurred in the context of the show, but did fit the show. I'm thinking of the Jim popping out from under the bathroom stall moment, or when the Misfits gush over the Baroness's whole aesthetic. Uh, side note, yes, perfect. Back to their message. On a more narrative, insightful note, I kind of like the whole Kimber is a robot thing. Sure, it came out of nowhere, never really hinted at in the show, as far as I can recall, but it does fit into the show's weird Kimber-Jerica dynamic. Why has Jerica left synergy and all this cool stuff from her dad, but not Kimber? This would be a reason. Also, it really serves to demonstrate how Jerica is, well, kind of a robot herself. Kimber, in a couple of instances in the movie, notes how she quote, feels everything and is overcome with emotion. Unlike Jerrica, who doesn't give a beep. I thought that served to show how Kimber, while a robot, is more human than Jerrica is or ever was. Anyway, rant over. Thanks. No, no, thank you, Jim Girls Podcast, because you pointed out a lot of great notes. Heck, I feel like you should have been on here instead of me. And I'm the host of this show. (sighs) But, you know, Anyway, that seems to wrap up the feedback here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, listening. Just it really warms my heart. And uh, Pat reminded me that we're coming up on two years worth of shows here. I know I've missed a few in between, so I guess chronologically it's probably been two years. But you know, we're coming up on two years worth of shows. So thank you, everybody, for sticking with me. And I hope this served as a fun pre-Crusadeus little dabble into the holiday season for everybody. So just stick with the network, folks. Listen in. There's going to be great stuff coming in for Crusademus. I know the guys are just brimming with excitement. They're ready to jump into it all. So I think I've said my piece. This wraps it up for me. So please join me again for another Fan Film Fridays. (music) today, you can take your telephone, your your cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love... Working in that medium, uh, then that uh, will give you the strength to be persistent. To that